If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello, my lovelies. My name is Chantelle and I'm the host over at Lady Justice True Crime. Lady Justice is a weekly podcast that covers fascinating cases both past and present from around the UK and Ireland. Some of them are strange, many are unbelievable, all of them are completely unique and are someone's story. So please come join me on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Murder and Such contains true stories about murders, the macabre, true crime, serial killers, and other dark subject matter. This includes adult themes, explicit language, descriptions of gore, violence, and other information provided by news articles, witness testimony, and public record. Murder and Such is not intended for all audiences, and although warnings will be set in place, listener discretion is still advised. Well, holy shit. I'm back. Welcome back to another episode of Murder and Such. I am your host, Hunter, after taking a month and a half off of the show to clear my mind because sometimes true crime puts your brain in a really fucking dark spot. So I've been busy kind of playing some video games, doing research, and trying to make the show better for you. If you're a longtime listener of the show, or this might be your first one, I welcome you to murder and such. I think I already said that. (laughs) If you follow the show on social media, you might have seen that I released a new shirt design that includes, finally, 
My Cat Vincent. It is a take on <laughs> on Mother Mary, and it's actually got the face and paws of my 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 first son that says Saint Vincent the Podcat. So you can get one of those by checking out the description of this episode and clicking on the merch store link. And something that I do with every episode is I give my new patron shoutouts at the beginning. So back in May, I didn't really put out an episode, but I did have some new patrons, such as Carla, and then a former co-worker of mine named Capri Riemann actually jumped on the show, and then I got another patron by the name of Kyle Ruist, and then another patron by the name of Opal Waite. But that's not all, because I have my $5 tier, or my executive producers, which are Lindsay Wallace, and last but certainly not least, Marissa Gabe. So thank you all for donating to the show. I'm sorry that it's been so long since I did an episode, but here is the new one. And also, a special thank you to my patrons for supporting me through my short tenure away from the show but anyways if you'd like to join the patreon you can find that at patreon.com backslash murder and such and you can donate just a dollar per episode or if you'd like to become an executive producer like marissa and Lindsay, you can donate five dollars per episode either way i'm just happy that you're here with me so without further ado i'm going to take some notes from my uh followers on youtube and I'm going to start getting into the show. But thank you again for your love and support, and let's get going. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. There's a litany of questions when you have a kid. Chances are, if you're listening to this show, you might have a child or two, or maybe even three, and the moment that you saw your child, like most parents, you probably had a million thoughts at once. The most prominent being, what is my child going to be when he or she grows up? Will they be a doctor, a police officer, or will they work a factory job and have a couple of kids of their own and be your normal, average, everyday citizen? Will they become a nurse and help the sick and wounded, or even be someone to help deliver someone else's child 
and then leave them in the same position with the same questions that you have right now. None of us are time travelers, so we can only answer those questions as they are right now. But what about the darker side of humanity? I believe that's a series of questions much less asked. Will my kid be an abuser? Will my kid be a bully? Or will my kid grow up to kill me? That's what we're going to be discussing on this case. And this case will be very heavy with audio clips and written statements. But as always, my name is Hunter, and you're listening to Murder and Such. And this is episode 85, Jacob Ryan Evans. Jacob Ryan Evans was born on May 22nd of 1995, so as of right now, at the time of this recording, that would put him at the age of 26 years old. He was one of four kids to the Evans family, with the mother being Jamie and the father being Daryl. He lived in the town of Alito, Texas, and had attended elementary, middle, and high school in the district up until January of 2012 when he had withdrawn from school and started homeschooling with his mother. When he did attend high school, he was just kind of, you know, your average student. He saw that his sister was enjoying being homeschooled for the prior two years, and since he was quiet and shy, he decided that homeschooling was the best choice for him so he could focus on his schoolwork and not the rat race of high school drama that usually plagues the classroom. It would also help because his mother was the assistant principal and first grade teacher at the school for 15 years up until she had left in 2004, so the best teacher was actually your mother. But Jake had decent grades, lived in a gated community with his parents and three sisters, and the house itself was big, beautiful, and honestly, the family was pretty well off. They had a house that had a pool in the backyard, hardwood floors, granite countertops, a baby grand piano, and even had their own pool house in the back. Definitely more than what I would consider the average family in America. The family would even attend a Methodist church that was in the city, but then left after many years of being with that congregation to join a Catholic church that was also within the city limits. From what it seems, there is nothing to worry about when it comes to the family. Dad's a businessman, mom is your teacher at home, you live in a very affluent neighborhood, but as I've discussed numerous times in episodes, that is almost never the case. At the time of the incident, Jake wasn't on any medications or talking to a therapist about what kind of thoughts were running through his head. And I'm no parent to any child, and I'm not saying that it's mandatory that parents need to do this, but hey, if you have kids, sit down every now and again and talk to them. In America, we already have such a shrewd pair of tinted sunglasses when it comes to looking at those with mental illness. But as the caretaker of your children, and them being the love of your life that you do anything to protect, sometimes it would be quite the task to have a thoughtful, meaningful conversation with your kids about their feelings and emotion 
but it could be one that just needs to happen. It may be cheesy, it may be kind of hard to bring it up, but your kids are your own and our nation's future, and no better way for them to get prepared for the rest of their lives than discussing anything and everything that they could experience for days, weeks, months, and years to come. If they ask you who told you that it's a good idea, tell them that some asshole on the internet named Hunter wished that he would have gotten the help at a very young age, instead of waiting till he was in his 30s to start getting the help that he needs. Go ahead and tell him, I don't care. Now, one part of the story that was mentioned in his written confession is uh, the media, they sure as hell like to latch onto this part. Yet another reason why doing independent research on cases rather than just sticking to tabloid headlines is a great idea. But after the incident, the news outlets started to put headlines such as the New York Daily News that had the title called, quote, 17-year-old murder suspect inspired by Halloween slasher flick, end quote. The movie in question is Rob Zombie's 2007 remake of the movie Halloween, the one with Michael Myers. It's not the best Halloween movie, but I really enjoyed Rob Zombie's remake from the source material. But I digress. When I was a kid, I watched movies like The Exorcist, Halloween, Hellraiser, The Shining, Puppet Master, you name it, I watched it. But you didn't see me in a priest's outfit running around the Stanley Hotel with a butcher's knife chasing a man with a William Shatner mask with a demonic puzzle box in one hand and a possessed puppet in the other. The reason? Because although our kids can be violent and have violent tendencies, and although the human brain isn't fully developed until the age of 25, there's a lot that can go wrong with situations just like this one. When you're talking to your kids or know of some kids that may need help, I found an outstanding resource online that can help, and this is from their own website. The Teen Line was created in 1980 by a group of mental health professionals who through their personal work with teenagers realized that a more inclusive approach to adolescent mental health was needed. After extensive research and consultation, Teen Line was born. So if your kid is one of these fancy new kids who doesn't want to call people on a hotline or anything, they have email, text, and they even have an app called Teen Talk that it's available on Android and iOS where they can talk to an actual teen who is trained to talk to kids about what might be going on with them. I honestly wish something like this would have been available to not just the kid in this case, but also to me as well when I was a child. God knows how fucked up I was as a kid. But the website is teenlineonline.org and the phone number is 1-800-TLC-TEEN or 800-852-8336. And the app is called Teen Talk. And they do have an email form you can fill out online on their website. If there's a much more dire situation going on, you can always call or sometimes even text 911 from your phone to get the help if you need it immediately. Which, on the evening of October 3rd into the morning of October 4th of 2012, is something that 
everyone wish Jake Evans would have done before things got past the point of no return. The following portions of this episode will include a highly edited version of the 911 call that Jake had placed to the dispatchers. This will include graphic detail and a dispatcher that I can only think to refer to as a complete and utter saint after learning what this young man had done. I will be interjecting with key points of information and, of course, my opinion. But you have been warned, this is very graphic. But here goes. Ponsor County 911, where is your emergency? Uh, my house. What's the address? 152 River Creek Lane. Okay, what's the emergency? Uh, I just killed my mom and my sister. What? I just killed my mom and my sister. You just killed your mother and your sister? How did you do that? The first point that I want to make is the sound of shock in the dispatcher's voice when she hears that he just killed his mother and sister. And then how her tone shift changes when she knows that this kid is not okay and she needs to get the information from him. You just killed your mother and your sister? How did you do that? Uh, I shot him with a uh, twenty-two revolver. And what is your name? Jake Evans. Jay Evans? Jake Evans. Are you sure they're dead? Yes. Okay. I want you to stay on the phone with me, okay? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Hold on just a minute. Police dispatchers are trained in some of the hardest ways I could imagine possible. But nothing ever prepares you for somebody admitting that they had just committed a double homicide. This dispatcher was calm, collective, and even though she was on the phone with the suspected murderer, she almost cared about him enough to keep the situation calm and diffused. The call continues. Where is the gun? Uh, it's on the kitchen counter. Okay. It's a twenty-two. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Jake, hold on. Stay on the line with me, okay? All right. Jake? Yes? Are you on any kind of medication? No. Well, I, uh, I've been going to the allergist a lot lately. Yeah. My mom. But no, nothing other than that. Okay. How old are you? Seventeen. You don't take any other kind of medication? I mean, other than like Zyrtec and like Advil and, you know, like Sudafed and stuff like that, you know, for allergies and headaches, but yeah. no. It says something that dispatch is asking him if he's on any sort of medication, possibly something to help rectify maybe something going on in his head. Of course, Jake is not medicated, even though these are not normal everyday thoughts of a 17-year-old. The dispatcher then tries to ask for a reason of why he would commit such a heinous crime. Okay, do you, um, is there any reason that you were so angry at your mother and your sister? Uh, I don't know, I, uh, 
I wasn't, it's weird, I wasn't even really angry with him. It just kind of happened. I've been kind of uh, planning on uh, killing for a while now. The, the two of them or just anybody? Pretty much anybody. Why? I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't really like uh, people's uh, kind of attitude. Right. I think they kind of they're very uh, like you know emotional. I don't know verbally rude to each other and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, mm. I don't know. They're, it's okay. It's just my family, I don't know, they're just kind of really, I, I guess this is really selfish to say, but to me, they, I felt like they were just suffocating me in a way. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think I'm, obviously, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I guess, evil, but uh, that's, uh, okay. Sorry. Are, no, don't be sorry. It's all right. I'm listening. Okay, you have my undivided attention. Again, this dispatcher is a saint. That's all I can really describe her as. Possibly a mother with children of her own. Listening to this child's confession of what's going on with him. What's going on in his brain? What would carry him to the point of taking not only people's lives but his own sister and mother's lives really got to hand it to this dispatcher the conversation continues uh were your mom and sister in their beds no uh uh this this is really gonna mess me up for the you know in the future uh See, my sister, I told my sister that my mom needed her. Mm-hmm. She was in her room, and she came out of her room, and uh, I I shot her, and she rolled down the stairs, and I shot her again. And then I went down, and I shot my mom about maybe three or four times, but I'll never forget this. Uh, okay, that's fine. My, my uh, sister... She, she came down the stairs and she was screaming and I was telling her that I'm sorry but to just hold still mm-hmm. that you know I was just gonna make it go away you know but she just kept on freaking out but finally she fell down and I shot her in the head about probably three times so they're both downstairs uh yes From what it would seem at the moment, this seems like a pretty open and shut slam dunk case. The thoughts of Jake admiring young Michael Myers for having no remorse for killing his sister, his sister's boyfriend, and his stepdad didn't seem to really strike Jake the way that he thought it would. I will in no way, shape, or form condone his actions. Don't get me wrong about that. He blatantly murdered his mother and sister. But as of right now, during this 911 call, Jake is scared. 
to say the least. He's not your weepy-voiced killer like Paul Michael Stefani, and he's not trying to elude the police by giving false information to them. He's confessing to what had just taken place by his very own hands. And this dispatcher is on the ride of her life right now, listening to this young man confess to killing two members of his own family. The call then continues. Okay, where are you? In the kitchen. Okay. You're not sitting by the gun, are you? No, it's about like uh, 10 or 15 feet away from me. That's all right. You have to keep in mind that she is sending officers to respond to this potential double homicide with the suspect on the phone, a boy that she had never spoken to probably in her entire life. So she has to make sure that everything is safe for the officers to come out. Dispatch then asks him where his father is, and then he said he's out of town in Washington, D.C. But then right after that, Jake makes a kind of a strange confession. And uh, to, for, I guess, future reference, I don't really want to see any of my family members, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like it and visiting or whatever. I, I don't know how it works or anything, but I, I just don't want any type of visitors. I don't want to see. Okay. Know. You don't want to hurt yourself, do you? out about guns now. Oh, sure. But you don't want to hurt yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely, you know, I, I assure you, I definitely don't like myself, you know. I, but I'm just so freaked out by guns now. And just to let you know, like, I, 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 I hate the feeling of killing someone. I, you know, uh, it, <clears throat> I'm going to be messed up. There, there are people that will help you. Despite this kid's own admissions, this dispatcher knew that something was not okay with him. She knew that this wouldn't be any normal action of a 17-year-old kid. But that didn't stop her from trying to be compassionate and help him through this situation. Well, you just take a deep breath. We have deputies coming, and they're going to help you. We're here to help you, too, okay? Um, We're going to help you. We're not going to hurt you. I understand if y'all want to, you know. No, we're not going to hurt you. We're there to help you, Jake. All right. All right, that's... Everybody thinks that, you know... We want to do bad things, but we don't. We want to help people. Right or wrong, we want to help people. And we're going to help you. No matter how much training you have for your profession, especially when it comes to a 911 dispatcher, nothing can train you for empathy to handle a situation so violent and so spur of the moment as the one that this dispatcher has now dealt with. You can't train that. 
Most people, when they first heard about this story, they had a knee-jerk reaction of, well, this kid's fucked up. In a sense, yeah, this kid is not well. Call it fucked up, call it what you will. This kid is very unwell, and these are not the actions of a 17-year-old boy. But this dispatcher held on to him like he was maybe one of her own. And I think that, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten very empathetic over the years of doing this show, where it used to be, you know, bourbon fart jokes, and now it's a lot more serious. But you have to take into account the way that this dispatcher handled it with her kindness and with her understanding so that Jake wouldn't take an action that would get himself hurt or other deputies hurt. Because the deputies were on their way and she still had a plan for him to get out alive. We're talking with our sergeant now. He's almost at your house. But we'll probably, what I'll probably ask you to do, Jake, is when he gets there, is turn your porch light on. Okay. Okay, and what he'll probably do is ask you to come out. Okay? Okay. Okay, so you'll be all right. You're going to be all right. Okay? All right. Okay, I'm going to stay on the phone with you, though, and talk with you. That's okay, and you can talk to me. I'll listen. Is there anything you want to talk about? It's going to be all right. It really is, okay? All right. But I'm going to stay on the phone with you. They'll be there shortly. won't be long now. The dispatcher then goes on to ask him his date of birth, his grandparents' name, and if there's a passcode to the gated community that they live in. He gives her the passcode, and she continues talking with the officers en route and with Jake. She makes sure that he turns on the front porch light so the officers know the house that they are looking for. Are you okay, Jake? I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking about my sister. Yeah. How old is she? Fifteen. Fifteen? Yeah. Uh, she, she was, I don't know, she had a really sweet side, but, you know, she was kind of, she was kind of racist and, I don't know, kind of r- r- rude to me sometimes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You'll be alright, Jake. Okay? You'll be alright. I'm, I'm, like, really worried about, like, you know, like, nightmares and stuff like that. Um, are, are there any type of medication for that and stuff? Well, I, I think there is. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, um, the the justice system and I'm sure your family yeah. will get you the support you need. I don't mean to sound like a wimp or anything, but you know, this is <laughs> wow. I've never like done anything violent in my whole life, you know? You don't sound like a violent person. No, you don't. But there um help will be provided for you, medical and psychological. That'll be provided to you, okay? So you don't have to worry about that right now. I'll touch more on it in a little bit, but really, 
I don't know if it was a precursor or anything like that, but what really kind of humbled me to an extent is the mention of the rest of his family supporting him. I will get to that a little bit later. Take deep breaths for me, okay? You're doing fine. In through your nose and out through your mouth. So you don't hyperventilate, okay? And that'll slow down your heart rate, too. I'm sure it's just jumping all over in your chest. There you go. Couple more. Good. That sounds good. You sound a lot calmer right now. Just keep deep, taking deep breaths, and it'll keep the anxiety down. These breathing instructions that she gave him may have completely diffused this whole thing. Jake is sounding responsive to her requests. He's sounding coherent. He does go on a little bit more, and he does mention something that they had already discussed. Jake, my officers are almost there. Would you be willing to walk out on your own? Uh, yes. Yes? Uh, I, yes. Uh, uh, I guess I should tell, uh, I forgot, uh, before I called. Yes. The gun on the counter, uh, for some reason, when I put it down, it was loaded, just uh-huh. to let y'all know. Okay, that's fine, as long as it's on the counter. Yeah, it's on the counter, I swear. All right, I, I believe you. Okay, they'll be there shortly, but I'll stay on the phone with you until... You know, it's time for you to walk out, okay? Uh, Are you on a on your home phone? Uh, yes. Is it cordless? Uh, yes. Okay. Just then, the officers arrived on scene. Okay, Jake, what I want you to do is, after we get through talking, I want you to put the phone down and leave it in the kitchen. You don't have to hang it up, okay? But I want you to walk outside... But when you're walking through the house and outside, stay visible. You know, don't hide behind any furniture. Open the front door. Do you have a, a glass screen door or a glass door or just the front door? Uh, you know, just the front door. Okay. When you open the front door, step back, put your hands behind your head, and slowly walk outside. Okay? Or keep your, I'm not behind your hand, but keep your hands up in the air. Just walk very slowly. And walk outside, but keep your hands visible. All right, sweetie? All right. Okay, go ahead and put the phone down and do it. And then just listen to what Sergeant Fletcher has to say. He's very appreciative that you're willing to come out on your own. He thinks that's great. All right? All right. And I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, honey. You're welcome. I think it kind of goes without saying that um, the sheriff's office that employs this woman, if she still works for them, should give this woman a fucking raise. If not, a Nobel Peace Prize. The damage that Jake had already done to his family could not be undone. But this woman helped prevent any further casualties in this instance. I do not know this dispatcher's name, But she was the person that Jake needed to talk to 
after he already did what he did. So when I went on my big diatribe about talking to your kids about what's going on in their heads, how they can get rid of some of the stress, tension, anger, anything like that, maybe they need you to be their dispatcher to talk to them about what's going on. It could be awkward, it could be strange, it could be life-saving. Because situations like this can be avoided. He obviously did not know the gravity of what he was about to do, and I don't think that he was inspired by Rob Zombie's 2007 remake of Halloween. Most people, even as young as Jake Evans was, can watch a movie and just watch it. But what was going on in this kid's head is something that I can't understand. And you probably can't either. That was an internal struggle that he had dealt with. And had he had the help that he needed before this incident took place, I probably wouldn't even be covering this case. So please, talk to your kids. Talk to a kid that you may know might be in trouble or at risk. I'm a firm believer in... I'd rather have an embarrassing moment now than to have a terrifying moment later. But I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back, and let's get back into this. The police arrived on scene and arrested Jake without incident. He followed all of the dispatcher's commands, and they took him in with no issues at all. The dispatchers already had another officer notify the grandparents of what happened across the very road that they lived on. From there, they were able to contact Jake's father and notify him as well. You can't fathom what it must feel like to be an investigator having to call the father of a boy that you had just arrested and tell him that his wife, the love of his life, his high school sweetheart, and your youngest daughter were both killed by your son. After Jake was arrested, they cornered off the house and started taking an assessment of the scene. Inside the home, they found Jamie in the study and Mallory near a stairwell in the home, both riddled with bullets from the 22 caliber revolver that was found on the kitchen counter. Both women were pronounced dead at the scene, and ultimately, 
they had managed to charge Jake with capital murder in December of 2012. As it states right now, according to DallasFortWorthCriminalLawyer.com, Section 12.31 defines capital murder as a capital felony offense. If convicted of a capital felony, the options for punishment are life in prison or the death penalty. The minimum age in Texas that a person can receive the death penalty was 17 years of age and older. When the death penalty is sought in a capital felony crime, the portions for punishment are as follows. Life in prison if the person committed the crime when younger than 18 years of age, and life in prison without parole if the person committed the crime when they were 18 years of age or older. Now keep in mind, the first one negated to mention the possibility of parole. For Jake, the prosecutors wanted to go forward with the death penalty based on two key pieces of evidence. The first one was the 24 minute and 38 second phone call with 911 dispatchers. But the second one is the next part that I'm just about ready to tell you about. You see, in Texas, on a legal stance, you're considered an adult at the age of 17. So when they arrested Jake, they Mirandized him, much like they do with any other suspected criminal, then they start interrogating him. What came out of him was a four-page confession to what transpired before the 911 call. The following piece is his entire written confession, word for word, as he described what was going on through his head, his reasoning, and why he killed the only two family members in the house with him that very night. I had just got home from the allergist and having lunch when I started watching Rob Zombie's Halloween. In the movie, a 12-year-old boy murders his stepfather, sister, and his sister's boyfriend. It was the third time this week that I had watched it. While watching it, I was amazed at how at ease the boy was during the murders and how little remorse he had afterwards. I was thinking to myself, it would be the same for me when I kill someone. After I watched the movie, I put it back in the case and threw it in the trash can so that people wouldn't think that it influenced me in any way. After that, I went outside and hit golf balls in the yard for about an hour. I went inside at around 5.30pm and just sat in the living room thinking about how I was going to kill my family. My plan was to kill my sister and my mom at my house, then go over to my grandparents and kill my oldest sister Emily and my two grandparents. Then I was going to wait until morning and kill my other sister Audrey because she was visiting from college. After I got up off the couch, it was between 6 and 6.30, so my grandma had called my mom to ask if I wanted to go to the cleaners with her. I went, and while we were in town, we got dinner. Then she dropped me off at my house. I took the dinner to the pool house and watched Family Guy for a little bit, and then I went back into the house and saw that my mom and sister were watching the debate. I went outside again to swing freely with my golf club. At around 9 o'clock p.m., I went upstairs in my house to watch Family Guy. About 10 minutes later, my sister came upstairs and asked if I wanted to watch a movie. I said no because earlier in the day at the allergist appointment, she made racist comments about a black worker who was mowing the grass. She said, quote, Ha, that black guy looks like a monkey, end quote. In the past, Mallory had always said racist comments like that, and would also make fun of homeless people. 
I scolded her and told her what she said and told her that she was becoming white trash. We continued arguing in the doctor's office and when we got back into the car, I told her to look up the word lynching and see if she had the same opinion about black people. She then said that she would never be a part of lynching, but is still a racist. I then said that she makes me sick and I called her a racist bitch. So that evening, after I told her that I didn't want to watch a movie, she went to her room and I went downstairs to my parents' closet and got my dad's blue foldable knife. I went back upstairs and kept pacing back and forth, imagining killing Mallory. Thoughts of causing her pain kept entering my mind and were really bothering me, but then I'd think about the times she hurt my feelings or really pissed me off. So finally around 9.30, I knocked on her door and asked if she wanted to watch The Waterboy. She said yes and sat on the couch beside the sofa I was on. I told her I was going to the art room to get a pin. When I was in the art room, I stood there again, imagining killing Mallory. After 30 minutes, I went into the room and got on the sofa with the knife in my pocket. I sat for about 5 minutes and then playfully threw a pillow at Mallory. We started having a pillow fight in the room. After a while, I thought to myself that if I were to kill my mom and Mallory, I wouldn't want them to feel anything. So I decided to kill them both with the 22 caliber revolver I stole from my grandpa. I told Mallory that I needed to go downstairs for a little bit. After I saw that my mom was in the study, I went to my closet and picked up the pistol. I set it out on the bed and was nervously opening the cylinder over and over again. I spent probably over an hour walking nervously around the house thinking how life will never be the same and how I will never see them again. Around 11.15, I went upstairs with the pistol and stood there for about five minutes. I knocked on the door and told Mallory that mom needed her. She came out and out of the corner of her eye, she saw me pointing the gun at her. She thought I was joking and told me that I was freaking her out. I shot her in the back and then the head. I ran down to the study and shot my mom three times. In shock, I ran to my room and was screaming at the top of my lungs that I am really messed up and that I killed my mom and sister. I emptied the shells on my bed and heard noises and realized that Mallory was still alive. While I loaded the gun back up, I was shouting that I was sorry and then ran back as fast as I could to kill her. I then made sure my mom was dead and shot her again in the head. After the shooting, I walked outside for a few minutes and then came back inside. Very shocked and scared, I placed the gun on the kitchen counter and walked into the living room to call 911. When I look at people, especially teenagers, I see them as being very cruel to one another emotionally. It seems that their favorite hobby is picking on someone else. The people who are racist, bullies, and who are as full of themselves are really the evil ones, and it amazes me because those three qualities are extremely common today. I was very sad because I felt like my own family were becoming the people I hate. I know now that I'm done with killing. It's the most dreadful and terrifying thing that I will ever experience, and what happened last night will haunt me forever.
In the meantime, he was held in the Parker County Jail while his father came back to a broken family, an unthinkable crime, and two of his family members, now deceased. Both the news and the 911 call had spread like wildfire, not just in the Alito area, but also the entire nation. A statement was put out by the Alito Independent School District that said, quote, Alito ISD is deeply saddened to learn of the death of a former employee and a former student. Her dedication to her students and her love of learning was an inspiration to all who knew her. We also mourn the death of Mallory Evans, a former elementary and intermediate school student. She was a sweet child that will be missed by her friends and school family." End quote. Former friends of Jake had stated that nothing seemed out of the ordinary with him, that he usually was pretty shy, kept to himself, and he was a nice kid. This six-foot-two-inch skinny kid wouldn't be the type of person they'd think who would commit familicide. He was just about as average as any other kid, but in a legal sense, the prosecutors may have thought that they had an open-and-shut case on their hands when they were seeking the death penalty for Jake. Yet, they would come to find out that this was going to be an uphill battle. In cases like Jake's, you have to not only look at the victims, the confession, and the crime, but you need to also take a look at the suspect's mental competency, which can prove harder than it would seem. For the meantime, Jake wasn't going anywhere, because the judge had handed down a $750,000 bond on Jake, and the family did not have the money to get him released. Jake's father stated that he did not have the cash to get him released, but he loves and supports him and hopes that he can get the help that he needs while he is sitting in the Parker County Jail. Jake was given a court-appointed lawyer by the name of Larry Moore. Larry took Jake's mental competency into question very seriously, but was also facing the issue of whether or not his client would be executed by the state. When combing over the evidence that was piling up in front of him, he made an immediate request to have Jake released on the count that he was too young to knowingly make the decisions that he did that night. That was denied. So a preliminary hearing was set, and now it was time to get to work. With Larry Moore working feverishly with the Texas State Legislature discussing the severity of charging a 17-year-old with capital murder, thus making them eligible for the death penalty, because back in 2012, the law that I had stated earlier had not been put into place and Jake was still eligible for execution. So Larry had started working towards two separate parts when it came to Jake's case. He needed to question the constitutionality of the death penalty of a 17-year-old and also filing a motion to have Jake's mental well-being examined by a forensic psychologist to see if he's fit to stand trial. Of course, Time was going to be on his side, because trials like this take a very long time to prepare for, which was good for the defense because the time seemed to be on their side. After an initial forensic examination of Jake, he was deemed incompetent to stand trial, and would require a lot of in-depth psychiatric evaluations moving forward. As far as the details of what he was classified as his mental health was concerned, I am unable to find those documents due to HIPAA law and the fact that he was still, by federal definition, a minor at the time of the crime. But with that information, the trial date would be pushed back to a later date while Jake underwent treatment. 
In the meantime, the law that I had stated saying that capital punishment of a 17-year-old to result in the death penalty was fully taken off the table in July of 2013. So although Jake wouldn't be executed, he would still be facing the rest of his life behind bars. Now, here is where I want to talk about his family and the support that he received. To me, personally, maybe it's my hell, fire, and brimstone attitude when it comes to murder. And let's just say, if I killed my mom and sister, or anyone in my family, I would expect them to completely and utterly disown me, not support me, and pretty much wash their hands of any and all association with me. Keep in mind, I said if, so I'm not planning on any of that. But what, what would you do? Would you care and support your son or daughter, or would you expect your parents to support you if you had done one of the world's most heinous acts? Also, please don't kill your family members. That kind of goes without saying. But Jake's father didn't know about his feelings, his thoughts, or his plans to kill anybody. Parents almost have no way of knowing about something like this until it's too late to take it back. It wasn't Daryl's fault, nor Jamie or Mallory's fault, and I'm not defending Jake's actions in the slightest at all, but you have to look at the facts. Jake was not well, and when I say normal, I'm using the quotations because there's no such thing as normal, but when you look at Jake, he was not your normal, ordinary 17-year-old. He was sick, he was mentally unwell, and although what he did that night could never be taken back, Daryl and the rest of the family had decided to support Jake moving forward. They were all a family that was hurting and grieving, but still had life and love to give their brother, son, and grandson, and their very own flesh and blood. And I think that says a lot about the Evans family. But the one thing that the family did want to avoid was a media circus. News had come out after years of psychiatric evaluation, therapy, medication, and intervention from his tenure at a state hospital in Texas that on April 27th of 2015, Jake was finally deemed fit to stand trial. But for years, the followers of this case were ready to see the face and see the young boy, now almost 20 years old, that they had heard on this 911 call admitting that he killed his mother and sister. We all know what it's like to see the inside of a courtroom on TV. Whether it's reactionary pieces of shit like Ashley Banfield or Nancy Grace, or watching the inside of a courtroom on YouTube videos, there's something that the family was not fully prepared for, and they did not want to relive this nightmare once again with the cameras and with the journalists. In April of 2015, a deal was going to be struck between Jacob Ryan Evans against the state of Texas on the charges of capital murder. Jake was ready to atone for what he had done that brisk October night, and he was ready to face the judge. A plea hearing was scheduled for three days later, on April 30th of 2015. And then Jake's family jumped into the mix. As a last effort to try and get some closure to this horrendous story, Jake had his family at his side. 
On April 28th of that year, a letter was made out to District Attorney Don Schnebley that reads as follows. Dear Mr. Schnebley, the undersigned family members of Jacob Jake Evans, Jamie Evans, and Mallory Evans appreciate the state's plea bargain offer of 45 years on two counts of murder to run concurrently as the disposition of this case. We feel that this is a fair bargain under all circumstances, even though our family would support a lesser sentence than 45 years if it was possible to do so in this case. The family realizes that Jake will have to serve at least half the assessed time before he will be eligible for parole. We are unanimous in our support of Jake's decision to plead guilty and be assessed 45 years by the judge rather than have a capital murder trial which we would feel would not be in his and our family's best interests. We wish to close this chapter of our lives in order to continue healing as a family. Sincerely, then the letter was signed by 11 family members, including both of Jake's sisters, his maternal and paternal grandparents, three aunts, one uncle, and his father, Daryl Evans himself. Two days later, standing before the judge, Jacob Ryan Evans was handed down a 45-year prison sentence for the killing of his mother and sister, Jamie and Mallory Evans, respectively. As it stands right now, Jacob is currently serving out his sentence at the Texas Department of Criminal Justice's Darrington Unit in Rocheron, Texas. The prison houses up to 1,610 units, and with Jake receiving credit for time served, his first attempt for parole would be in the year 2035. And if he's to serve out his entire sentence, his release date will be October 4th of 2057. The avoidance of a media tirade ripping through the family once again, like it tends to do so very often, would allow the family to try and recoup what they could of a family life, even with the absence of three members. But it does say a lot about forgiveness. Jake's dad didn't know he would be going to D.C. for business one day, then come back another to his family being ripped apart. Jake's sister didn't know that she wouldn't be coming home from college and not being greeted by her sister, mother, and her brother. But the family still wanted to support him, and Jake wanted to take responsibility for his actions and also avoid media scrutiny once again. I don't defend his actions. Jake was a very troubled kid. He needed help. And although he watched that movie, the Halloween remake, he was the only one who's responsible for his own actions. So the media just throwing Rob Zombie and Michael Myers under the bus is a scapegoat. And I think it's bullshit. And again, if you need the information for your kids, or maybe some kids that you think may need it, Teen Line's info is available by visiting teenlineonline.org or calling 1-800-TLC-TEEN. You can also text TEEN to 839-863 and even download the Teen Talk app on iOS and Android devices. And please, if you need immediate help, don't hesitate to call 911. 
I guarantee that there will be a wholesome, caring, and understanding dispatcher that would love to talk anyone down from a horrible experience. And granted, not all dispatchers are kind and wonderful humans, but if we can just clone that Parker County dispatcher and put her in a spot everywhere in the world, I would be a lot happier. Please, we need to pay our dispatchers more. But that's going to do it for episode 85. I thank you for listening to the show. Again, I am sorry that I took a kind of an extended break. Just want to clear my head a little bit. But if you need updates on the show, you can always follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Murder and Such. And also, if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, the PlayStation Network, and Snapchat at Huntor27. Of course, if you think the show is worth a buck or two, feel free to check out the Murder and Such Patreon. And you can find that at patreon.com backslash murderandsuch, and you can donate as little as a dollar per episode, or you can become an executive producer, just like all of these fine people I'm just about to name. So thank you again to Marissa Gabe, Lindsay Wallace, Stephanie Jacobson, Stephanie Marie, Bex, Mindy Baker, That Dead Body Show, Caitlin Prophet, Jason W., Michelle Davis, Danielle Kuska, Strictly Homicide Podcast, The Bama Brew Review Podcast, Aaron Albertson, Michelle Pierce, Martha Pierce, Alex Aguirre, Justin Reebsum, McKenna Johnson, Ariel Safir, Tracy Ford, Stacy Jenks, Dan Sheridan, Benjamin Welch, Ashley Collier, Charkley Daniels, Erica Summers, Nature vs. Narcissism Podcast, Big Daddy Thick Dick, Sarah Thompson, and my wonderful, lovely, beautiful sister, Sarah. So thank you all for donating to the show. And if you don't want to donate to the show, but you want to pick up a badass Vincent shirt, yes, again, it's my cat, you can pick that up by checking out the Tee Public link in the description of this episode. But as always, my name is Hunter, and you've been listening to the show Murder and Such. And I'm reminding you, well, goddamn, now I'm going to have to think of a different outro, because it seems like the pandemic is getting better. People are going back out to eat. I went out and got sushi for the first time in over a year. But you should still probably wash your fucking hands and uh, get vaccinated when you can. But definitely call someone that you love and tell them that you care about them today. But as always... I will talk to you soon. Take care.